Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we're talking about The Night Swim by Megan Golden. We got this as our book of the month pick. Well, I did. Did you get it through book of the month? Yeah, yeah. This is a book of the month pick. So yeah, it's been a, it was a while ago though. Definitely last summer. We've taken a while to read this. Didn't you start it and then didn't finish it? Yeah. So I wanted to read this forever and I started it while I was still living in Arizona. And then I moved to New York. So I took it with me to New York and then I came back to Arizona. So this book has literally traveled back and forth from Phoenix to New York and back. And it's now here in Phoenix where I'm recording from. Are you going to leave it in Phoenix? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going back for a second time. For so Marissa is our mystery thriller gal. I feel like I'm more in the romance part, though we both equally love fantasy. It's kind of funny though because last year we didn't read any fantasy books. We really only read like like romance <laughs> yeah. or like just contemporaries. So we're definitely mixing it up this season, season two. Season two. <laughs> I like this book as someone who is not a normal mystery person. I enjoyed it, but I also listened to it on audiobook, and it really just felt like I was listening to a podcast, because I feel like it was written like a podcast. Which, to clarify, the main character in this book is a famous podcaster, and so I think you thought it was cool that it sounded like a podcast when, you know, the book is also about a podcaster. Yeah, it definitely almost inspires us because we're so new to this podcast game. I don't know if it inspires me that much because it is just a different realm of what we're doing. We're not really solving any murders. She takes her her podcast and really lives it. She travels for it and she's in these court scenes and solving actual murder cases where we just kind of read some books and talk about it, but... No, I like I like reading books about podcasts. My favorite book about podcasts is X Talk. That one motivated me. The main character there, Shay, she like talk about how she like, produced the like crap out of her episodes, and I'm like, okay, like we got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first book I've read that's been about a podcast, and I think that's why I was so excited for it. But I did not listen to it on audio tape. I read it. And I had a completely different experience than what you had. Yeah, so how does this compare to your other thriller slash mystery books? If I'm being honest, this is one of the worst thrillers I've read. (laughs) But, But keep in mind, what I look for in a thriller is I want it to be super creepy and dark. And this book was not creepy. It did discuss very heavy topics, so I don't want to say this book isn't dark. It has dark themes to it, but I'm talking about, like, normal thrillers that I read are very spooky. And not like ghosts. I don't like ghosts and spirits and all that stuff, but they're just more spooky and creepy. And you're on the edge of your seat, and you're kind of scared to turn the lights off at night because that's how thrilling the book was. And this just did not – it was fine, but it was like a crime-solving – book and just wasn't super what I'm into I guess I don't really know if this even is considered a thriller I feel like it's more mystery than thriller yeah I'm kind of glad we didn't read a really scary one because I just it's not my vibe (laughs) 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 I don't I don't like like whenever I read a book that's not a mystery and there's these scenes where people are going to potentially die I get so anxious that I just couldn't (laughs) imagine reading a whole book of a mystery I think I would just be an anxious ball of energy for like days (laughs) I like adrenaline 
in just a non-scary book way. Or even shows. <laughs> Whenever I was younger in high school, everyone was watching Pretty Little Liars. I couldn't watch it then because it literally scared me. Remember one time I watched one of the episodes and I had to leave my light on and I had my brother go in my room and turn my TV off because I couldn't even go in there and turn my TV off. God. I w- went back in college and watched the whole series twice and it wasn't that scary at all. I'm just a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> This book was really heavy. I did not realize it was basically a whole book about rape. I don't know if I just was, I was just kind of didn't look at the, didn't really, like I swore it on Bookstagram, but I didn't really read the reviews. I read the synopsis on book, book of the month, but I don't remember it discussing rape in the synopsis, but maybe I just didn't like pick it up. Yeah, it, it, it actually does say it there in the front sleeve, but I never read the front sleeve synopsis before I jump in I just jumped into the book so I also did not know what was coming as far as the heavy topics within this book I think I actually just didn't read the synopsis and just sort over bookstagram and just threw it in my cart and that's why I got it so yeah I guess that's probably a good reason you probably should read the synopsis because if rape is triggering you I probably wouldn't read this book I probably wouldn't listen to this podcast. Not that we're going to get too into it. It's just, it, the whole story is basically that. So, like, we can't really, yeah. we can't really avoid the, this discussion. I know how you said, you know how, like, you're afraid to turn the lights off when you read really good thrillers and you're, like, so scared to go to sleep at night. This book yeah. made me scared of just life because you always think with rape, oh, like, it's never going to happen to me. I don't know. It just kind of was a wake-up call. Like, yeah, like, anything could happen because these girls were just walking home from things. Yeah. Are you talking about Jenny and Hannah? Yeah. Or are you talking about Kay? I guess uh, she was just walking home, too. I guess I yeah. didn't realize that parallel. All the girls were just walking home. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, well, we should probably start off with the synopsis before we dive into the book. Okay. The synopsis says, The new season of Rachel's podcast has brought her to a small town being torn apart by a devastating rape trial. A local golden boy, a swimmer destined for Olympic greatness, has been accused of raping the beloved granddaughter of the police chief. Rachel throws herself into the investigation, but someone is following her and she won't stop until Rachel finds out what happened to her sister 25 years ago. Officially, Ginny still tragically drowned, but the letters insist she was murdered, and when Rachel starts asking questions, nobody in town wants to answer. The past and present start to collide as Rachel uncovers startling connections between the two cases and a revelation that will change the course of the trial and the lives of everyone involved. Yeah, this it was, it was a pretty wild book. I guess it wasn't wild, but it all well, was like, connected. Everybody... Yeah. It was wild how it all unfolded, because you were like... Sort of things out of left field. I did. I did predict who did the murder of Jenny. Do you yeah. remember what I told you? I think I told you this like the cheese before I finish. I did. I knew it was like. Uh, I guess we, are we gonna say who? Yeah, I knew it was Kelly's dad. Yeah. I don't know why. I just knew yeah. it because he was. Just, I, like, I didn't know that. He was so about getting retribution for his daughter as he should be. Like you should protect your daughter. But he also was like, I was young, I made a mistake, I want forgiveness. He was just a hypocrite, in a sense. Yeah. Before we jump into that, though, I I was going to clarify to anyone who might be listening who hasn't read the book or who just needs some clarification. The book starts out all about Kelly's rape trial and Rachel's covering Kelly's rape trial. And then she starts getting these letters from Hannah about Jenny. And honestly, the way the two stories, the way Jenny's story and... Kay's story matched up I guess I should have predicted that Jenny's killer would have been connected to the trial like you did 
But I totally did not predict that. The only reason I did that is because in one of first of Hannah's letters, she's like, that per- like he's probably going to be in that courtroom t- like today or something like that. I thought it was going to be like one of the lawyers. I honestly thought it was going to be Scott's dad at first. Just because the, the, the Scott's, the guy who was accused of raping Kelly and we found out did, his dad seemed slimy and so did the lawyers. So I was like, mm, something's up. I was really hoping it wasn't Kelly's lawyer because like, I liked him. I um, thought it might be Kelly's lawyer. I thought so too, and I was like, please don't be, please don't be Kelly's lawyer. <laughs> so now I have to talk about how like, we thought it was based on a real life story, which it is. I looked up some interviews of the author on some blogs, and I. I found out that, like, she... It's not a specific case, but it's, like, on many cases. Like, she just kind of watched the news on rape cases for a year and then wrote a book. <laughs> Which, yeah. I can think that... I could be like, that's some pretty sad research. I don't think I would ever want to be like, I'm going to research rape. I just feel like that, that gets dark and so sad. When she was talking about the rape kit, I know that there have been things that have come out about rape kits and what actually happens. Like, I watched Law & Order SVU. I know rape kits are very violating and intrusive to the rape victim but i think that this author probably interviewed someone who actually conducts rape kits because she gave very detailed descriptions of what they do during that process and it was in that scene that i was like man i can't imagine researching this topic for my book and interviewing people about what happens and getting information on the court system and like I don't know. I I mean, props to her. She wanted to bring light to it, but that's got to be a heavy topic to write about. I hope she wrote like a romance book after this because (laughs) (laughs) I would be really sad after writing this. She wrote another book that was really famous. Let me look it up. She wrote The Escape Room in 2018. I think that one I read on the book that was like her more popular book. So I guess she kind of writes more mystery books. But yeah, I definitely would think this would be a really t- like a tough topic to write about. But it was really insightful. Like, I feel like I learned a lot in this book. Just because you don't really try and think about rape. I, you try to avoid it. Especially with us being girls. I feel like we should be aware of... I don't know. Not that we should be aware of it, but like... I don't know. This is going to be a hard podcast. No, I might no. edit this out. <laughs> no, no. I know what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of like how when I was at your apartment and my rape whistle went off. <laughs> I feel like that like, legit gave me a headache for a minute. <laughs> you literally screamed at me. You're like, Marissa, what is that? Because I was like, you, you were just like taking your time, turning it off. And I was like, turn. Because I'm like, we live in these little apartments and the walls are stick thin. Sometimes I think people are actually in my apartment because the wall between me and the other apartment is so thin that they sound like they're walking on my floor. And I'm like, these people are going to think we're actually being raped, Marissa. <laughs> the cops are going to come. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, that's the point. So for people who don't know, I ordered, when I moved to New York, I ordered a, it, I think it's just like a sound maker off Amazon. Amazon, but it has this little string that when you pull, it pulls the pin out. And when that happens, this alarm goes off so loud. And Kayla can attest to how loud it was. It is very loud and it's meant to startle your attacker. But I'm like, you know, when I moved to New York, I was like, okay, well, it's a new big city. I'll be walking places potentially at night. I'm going to get my rape whistle just in case. But yeah, so I get what you're saying about as girls, especially, we should be aware of what can happen and who the attacker could be because for Kay her attacker was Scott 
and Scott, you know, is the town's golden boy, and he's going to be an Olympian, and he offers her a ride home, and, and, you know, he was like, my friend wanted to make sure you got home safe, I'll take you home, and she trusts him, and, like, it doesn't just have to be someone in a back alley attacking you, like, this was someone she knew, and was a nice guy, but was not a nice guy. I remember, I think it was even said Kelly in court. She's like, oh, I felt relieved when I saw him. Yeah, so it's just kind of crazy. You just kind of don't think about stuff like this before. So it definitely was like a, like I definitely learned a lot in this book. I don't know if I'm going to read another rape book anytime soon, but. No. I also, it definitely brought to light what happens in a courtroom because I don't really, I don't really watch shows that have a lot of court scenes. The, my movie reference is Lily Blonde, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my, my movie reference to court scenes is Legally Blonde. So hearing all about this was very insightful that way. Also, the whole jury duty thing. I didn't know that they can kick you off a jury for like, being educated. Oh, yeah. So so my mom gets called for jury duty all the time to the courthouse. And then what they do is they interview you. There's this whole huge process. And each lawyer is like, okay, we don't want this person. We don't want this person, whatever. And they purposely kick people off who are educated. Like my mom never makes it past the first round because she knows what the difference is between not guilty and innocent. Like a lot of common people don't know there's a difference between those two things. But as soon as she gets asked that question and she goes, yeah, I know the difference. And she explains it. They go, okay, you're off the jury. We don't want you because they don't want educated people. They want people they can persuade. That just... That's a flawed, that has to be flawed. Like, who thought of that? It's ridiculous. Well, it's it's to try and give the defendant a fair trial. So it's all about fitting their agenda. Like, it has nothing to do with who's qualified to serve on that jury and who's actually a jury of that person's peers. It only has to do with how can it fit my agenda, who's most likely to vote guilty, who's most likely going to vote not guilty, and the prosecutor and defense attorney try and kick people off who might go against them, basically. Yeah, I just, I feel like the system's flawed there. The whole lot of the book is talking about how flawed rape cases are, and I don't really know how to make it not flawed. Like, I guess I'm not educated enough in the court system to know, but also it's hard to not be a he said, she said, because there's really rarely is proof. Yep. So something I wrote down, which I thought was just like a really good point was when Rachel in the book is talking to Dr. North, one of the things they talk about is it's easy to prove sexual activity occurred. What's impossible to prove or not prove is consent. And when the, you know, uh, defendant is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, so, so you have to assume that he got consent. Now it's the prosecutor's job to prove that there was not consent. Like, how do you prove that unless someone recorded what happened or there was a witness? Yeah, it's just really wild. I generally think the court system is flawed, but I also think I don't really know how to fix it. But that blew my mind. Also blew my mind that in, like, a rape case, the defendant, which is, what I guess, Scott, right? He doesn't have to go on the stand at all. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was ridiculous. Like, Kelly, at, like, what, she was 16, had to go there and replay her sexual encounter in front of her parents and strangers. And Scott just sits there and acts like, I don't even think, I don't even know if he was there. Like, he could have just, like, been home chilling playing video games. Well, he was 
was there. He was in court. <laughs> but like, I don't uh, even no, think he was needed that, to be there. Think about how much worse that makes it for the victim. She gets on the stand to testify and her rapist is sitting there looking at her as she has to relive all the details of her experience in front of her rapist, as well as a court of random people. It, it might be easier if he wasn't there, but no, the defendant is always there. So it, it makes it even harder on the victim. Yeah, it, I felt so bad for Kelly in that in that time period. And she didn't take the, the stand the second time, right? She She opted out of it. Yes. Yeah, so what happened in the book, first of all, I, I'll clarify, I guess, she did not have to take the stand. However, it's very, very hard to win a, a rape case for the prosecutor to prove that a rape occurred without the victim taking a stand. Because as you said, and, and I mentioned, you're trying to prove that there wasn't consent. So that he said, she said. So if she or, you know, a victim could be a guy too, but if the victim does not take the stand, you're probably not going to win. That's why the book was very heavy on she has to take the stand. She has to take the stand. So what happened was she took the stand and she got through her lawyer's questions. And then when Scott's lawyer got up, he started asking questions that, you know, emotionally wrecked her. And so they called for a recess. And then she emotionally wasn't able to take the stand again. So her testimony had to be thrown out. Yeah. Again, I, those things, things I learned about case, court cases, like I didn't know that both lawyers had to ask about, like, ask the same person for it to count, kind of things like that. Like those are just like, things I didn't know. But I, yeah, that just blew my mind. Uh, this whole, the book generally blew my mind. I get, I know that it wasn't a thriller, but I did think it was really interesting. But I do think, like, I feel like you would have liked it better if it was, if you just listened to the audiobook. Yeah. So the reason I did not like this was because it's, it's literally written from a narrator. Like Rachel is just a narrator. And I was so frustrated the whole time. Rachel to me is no one. She's the, she's the main character of this book. She has this award-winning podcast and all she was to me was a narrator. I imagined her as a brunette, you a very pretty girl like from The Bachelorette with just no personality, <laughs> absolutely nothing going on except she has enough of a following that she gets attention, that kind of thing. And that's not how she was. Like, I do think Rachel is very smart. But because the book was written the way it was, as if she was just reading for a podcast, there was no character development. And I felt no attachment to her. And I really hated that. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know if I would have had the patience to really read it. I've also just not been the, in the mindset to read books in art fantasy at the moment. I feel like it was really funny that the author really talked about how smooth Hannah's, uh, is it, no, not Hannah, <laughs> I keep call, I get Hannah and Rachel confused because that's how a little, uh, she, like, talks about herself. And Hannah's, like, also this hidden figure behind, like, the curtain half the time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's funny how they talk about how smooth Rachel's voice was. <laughs> this is the one detail yeah. we got from her, she has a really smooth voice. <laughs> Do you think you would like like being on a jury? Because so Rachel talked about how she was like excited to be a jury member and she kind of got kicked out because she was educated. Would you want to be jury or would you think it's too much to make a decision? No, I would love to be on a jury. I have always wanted to be on a jury. I want to be on a jury so bad. I think I would be so persuasive. I would convince people to either go guilty or not guilty. It'd be so fun. I don't think I would want to be on the jury. I'm just so indecisive about life. I just don't want people's fate in my hands. 
Yeah. I hope I never get called to jury duty. Oh, I, and I, if, I, if I do get called to jury duty, I hope it's an accounting case so they kick me out for like, knowing what taxes are. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I don't even know what taxes are, though. So <laughs> It was also really interesting to me when they were explaining the jury and who was on there and what they're most likely to lean, how old, middle-aged to older women are more likely to think that the guy is innocent. Yeah. I thought that was I get interesting. That. I get that because, I mean, think about it. They see a provocative young girl who maybe she dresses provocatively. Maybe she has a reputation. Maybe she was drinking. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, she was probably just asking for it. You know, that's why you don't hang out with the boys, honey. You know, like I can see. Not, I, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying like I can see how that would be what they think. And so then they're swayed to vote. Not guilty. I also thought it might have to do with the fact that it wasn't, you couldn't, you couldn't really, like, back in whenever they were growing up, it was very frowned upon to even bring up a rape charge. I feel like now, even now it's so hard, you, your name is tarnished even if, like, you go to court and your the guy who raped you is found guilty, your name is still kind of tarnished and dragged through the mud. So it's a, it kind of just has discouraged people to come forward. But I feel like it was really discouraged 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that had something to do with it too. Like, oh, like thinking like, oh, just like he, they think that like they should just keep their mouth shut. Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder then who's likely to like vote guilty. Like if, if they can't get the middle-aged women and they can't get the young men, because that was another thing. They said people around Scott's age, like 20-year-old guys, weren't going to say he was guilty because they feel like that could be them. So then what, would it just be like middle-aged men, like dads who have daughters? Would they maybe say, like, I would hey, hope mothers who have daughters would. I know. You would think. Or I would, and I'd hope girls are like our age and their age would. Here's the thing. Here's what's crazy. You would hope everyone would go in wanting to get a conviction if he was guilty, if they could prove he was guilty. You wouldn't think that anyone would go in like, oh, she was asking for it or, oh, that could be me. So I don't want to get him in trouble. Bro's got to have each other's Like you would hope no one would go in with those attitudes. But unfortunately, that's the society we live in. I don't even think he got charged for it. He got charged for like sexual assault. I don't even know if it was sexual assault. He just got, maybe it was. I forgot what he got charged for. Yeah, he was found not guilty for rape. And that's probably because they had to throw out Kelly's testimony. So when the jury was looking at the facts, they couldn't, they couldn't charge him with rape because there just wasn't the evidence for it. Even if there is justice, like even if he was convicted, she had to go through a rape, a rape kit, get on the stand, relive it three times over. She has to live with that the rest of her life. Like there's not really justice. She had to leave her schools. She moved schools twice, I think they said. Because the town hated her because he was the golden boy, but he was guilty. Yeah. He was, so for those who, I guess, hopefully you read the book, so you know what we're talking about. Like, he was guilty because the guy who lives in the shed heard, did he hear them? I think he heard them. Yeah, yeah, he heard them. He heard them. He put, like, he found her naked on the beach and put, like, a, his sweater over her. And then he heard the aftermath of where he, the guy came over and was like, clean up or, or we're going to do it again or something like that. Like something really awful, which basically yeah. just be like, okay, like he was guilty. Like there was a witness, but where was I going with this? It's just like for her because like in the end he was guilty and, and her town completely hated her. She had to leave school. She had to move across the country. Her parents were on the verge of divorce because of it. She has all these counselors and stuff and therapy and she's 
panic attacks and everyone's saying by prior to this like she was like this positive girl who was like reaching for the stars and it just like completely changed her as a person and, and it was just really sad because he was in fact guilty because there was a witness do you think her podcast would be popular in today's time with this specific case and this discussion i, I think it would i think with the me too movement sexual assault cases have really come to the forefront and People are very invested in them because they do understand that there's so much about rape culture that we could talk about. We could talk about how hard it is for someone to come forward. We could talk about how when they come forward, they're sometimes not believed, the injustices of our, our court system, whatever. And people are very invested in that. And as they become more and more aware, I think they would be interested in a podcast like this. I don't think I'd personally want to sit through a podcast like this. Because I think it's just too heavy and I don't want to have an opinion on someone's, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to discuss around the dinner table, yes, I think she was actually raped or no, this poor guy's life is being ruined. You know, like that's just, I try and stay out of those conversations because it's just, they're it's, so heavy. It's so real because yeah. it could really happen to anybody too. Yeah, I mean, it it really could. It, and one of the things that I didn't like not that I was on Scott's side. I was with you that I, I I was leaning towards Kelly's side. But one of the things I hate that this book brings to light is just the politics of our judicial system. You know, we already discussed how they do their juries. But one of the other things they did was they, when they arrested Scott, they pulled him out of the swimming pool while he was still in his Speedo and handcuffed him in front of cameras and reporters to arrest him. And Rachel even said she thought that was done as a tactic by the prosecution to make him look guilty before the trial had even started. And, you know, as it turns out, he was guilty. So I guess like, yay, props to them. But at the same time, like, you know, it's just all political. It's about winning public opinion and just convincing those eight jurors, you know, whatever, whatever you want, whether it's within the bounds of the law or not. And the system is just, corrupt a little bit yeah like say he was innocent his life was ruined i did think it was interesting how they keep kelly's name kind of in like discreet where they called her k even though uh -huh. we called we knew it was kelly because of the book but they they say scott blair all the time yeah but... yeah that, that is interesting to think about because if it had turned out that he was innocent if it had turned out that she lied about it or whatever then you have his name completely dragged through the mud, his image, his mugshot, his records, you know, his DNA in the police system forever. And and it, and he would have been innocent. And it's like, oh, well, his life's over now, too. But he and wasn't. Like her so. name, like in the town, people knew who Kelly was. But like once Kelly moved mm -hmm. across the country, like no one would have known who she was. Yeah, that's true. Because well, her name was Kay. So I did think it was interesting, but again, we're, we're not Team Scott, just because he was guilty. Right, right. We're just, we're just discussing, you know. The, the judicial <laughs> system of rape. Uh, we and Marissa, we, again, we planned this book and didn't realize how heavy this topic was. And I messaged her maybe two days into reading it. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a really hard podcast. Because normally me and Marissa are kind of jokesters. Like, I feel like our best podcasts are when we kind of are making fun of the book in a way. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's like, there's not really any part that we can make fun of because it was just so real and so raw. And I think, I, I don't think I like books that are written in this point of view, 
But I mm-hmm. do think she she did the research and it, it was a really tough topic that she approached, I think, well. We're not really talking about Jenny's case at all. So I do think, though, if it wasn't for the twist with Jenny and Kelly's case, I don't think it would be that interesting. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I can read a book straight of just us sitting in court with Kelly. If you, okay, so say you're Rachel, you have a podcast about crime, and people are legit finding you and sticking things in your hotel room, on your car, like, what I would call the cops. Like, I would be so yeah, freaked yeah. out. I would not look into a case. Because you're, yeah. like, murders in your mind constantly. You're looking into murder. Like, you have a podcast on murder and mysteries and rape. And, like, your mind just goes to the worst possible scenario. And this girl's just, like, sneaking in places. Yeah, I, well, I thought Rachel's initial reaction to the letter being left on her hotel bed was correct. She got angry. She was like, what the heck? This is not okay. This is a violation of my privacy. And I was with Rachel. I I was absolutely curious. I don't care what your case was. You, You don't sneak into someone's hotel room to leave them a cryptic letter. That that wasn't okay. I couldn't be Rachel. I think Rachel was very, I don't know what the word is, because like I said, we don't have a lot of character development with her, but she just doesn't seem afraid of anything. You know, I don't know if it's when, bravery. I don't feel like it was bravery. In some ways, it was just stupid bravery. Like, not like she's brave and courageous, but just does what she wants and doesn't worry about the consequences. Rebellious. Isn't a, not rebellious. You know, she, um... She's just not afraid of the consequences. Like when Hannah calls her to the pier or whatever, the, and, and she knows the killer's coming. If Hannah was like, yeah, by the way, I invited the killer here for a little rendezvous. <laughs> I, I'd be like, the hell you did. And I'd leave. Like, that is not okay. And Rachel was just like, yeah, cool. I'll hide in the shadows and stake this out. <laughs> Hannah is also reckless but yeah like she would go to the scene of the murder like at weird hours by herself where she'd like stalk these people down go in people's homes that she has no idea who they are yeah I I would be maybe I'm just a wimp but like, I was scared for her I was like this girl's gonna get murdered and it's not ignorance because she's studying this stuff yeah maybe she just has like blind bravery yeah but I mean I thought Hannah's story was more intriguing, I guess. Not that not that the Kay's story was not important, because I think that was really important, but I think all the twists and turns really happened with Hannah and Jenny's story. That was my take. We got the background knowledge of this book. With Kelly, we just got the aftermath. Like, yeah, we had the initial story, like, Kelly was leaving a party early, and some guy, like, one guy left the party and, like, walked her home and then another guy came and picked her up to drive her home it was just like we got like the where it went down but with jenny we got the backstory days before like what jenny was like what was her relationship Mm -hmm. with her family and who were these guys like we didn't really get that information with kelly's case it was more about the court case for kelly yeah but jenny's story gosh was really sad um i felt really bad for her and I, if I was Hannah, I would feel like it was all my fault. I mean, I think that was one of the themes was that she's living with the guilt for the rest of her life, or at least until the end of this story. I don't know if this would have changed anything, but like that one time Hannah was like, please, Jenny, like, let's go there because it's raining. I don't want to walk home. I wonder what would happen if Jenny never got, like, they never won that car. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you cope with something like that. But I felt really bad for Jenny because she was raped multiple times, and the first time she wasn't killed she just kind of 
became a shell of a person hid in her room and you knew something was up and then she went on a date with Mr. Lawyer. I felt that made me sad too. Yeah. It made me it, I it made me sad when he sends flowers to her grave every year and was like, "Please forgive me." Yeah, I I mean, I was sad. It was sad that he thought he heard one rumor about her and just assumed that he could also have her like she just it, her the only guy oh I forgot the, about that part oh so then I don't feel that bad for him yeah I was gonna say like the only guy who potentially could have seen her and loved her for who she was right was was Mitch that was his name right Mitch Elkins yes and and instead he hears one rumor about her about how she's sleeping around which wasn't true okay keep in mind she was raped but he hears this one rumor and he's like well if she's so easy like i'm gonna get in on that because i like her and so i'm gonna try and he like pushed too far and like he didn't rape her thankfully but he pushed too far and he scared her and i'm just like okay this poor girl who was completely innocent of everything couldn't even get the nice guy. And, I mean, maybe that means he wasn't a nice guy. But it's just, like, I just felt so bad for Jenny. I forgot about the part. I was just thinking about the part where everyone at the beach was staring at her. And he went out and, like, was swimming with her. I was thinking about that part. But I yeah. forgot about the whole date thing and how Jenny came home really sad. No, her yeah. life was really sad. Like, I felt really bad for Jenny. It was... It, both cases were awful. It was just... And, I, it, yeah. Without... It's without words of how awful the both cases are. The only critique I have of this book, aside from, you know, there are things I didn't like. I didn't like the writing style. I didn't like, uh, there's just some things I didn't like. But the only, like, major critique I have of this book was I was so confused at the end when when Hannah and Rachel meet on the jetty. For me, it felt like a chapter had been cut out of the book and I missed something. I thought that there was a note. She had a letter on 315. Oh, that's good to know because I just was so confused when she got to the jetty and they were like, yeah, we know the killer's coming. And I was like, how did you know to meet here? And I still don't know how they co- how they convinced the killer to come. but Telepathy. Um, yeah, I don't know why the killer yeah. came. I was annoyed that he, he killed himself and there was like no justice for Jenny. But I also felt yeah. bad for Kelly because she's been through enough at that point. So I get it. That would have been really hard. Gosh, you you, you just went through a rape court case, and then you, you found out your dad raped somebody twenty years before. It would and, that would and be really killed her. and kill yeah and burned Gosh, his friend yeah. and and killed his friends. Yeah, kind of psycho, kind of a psycho. Like he set his friends up. He killed his two friends. He put them in that car and burned it or whatever. I just, what a psycho. I don't know. I have no I don't words. know how he has lived all those years like a normal human with a daughter and live how he is. Like, I would be riddled in gr- guilt. He did say, like, oh, I feel like his daughter getting raped is karma for him raping girl. But he did so much worse than that. Like, he raped, he killed multiple people. It was wild. But, yeah, this book was really dark, really deep. It was, yeah. That's all. That's all I have to say about it. I did. I did. I'm glad that I did read it, though. I do. Do you want to rate the book? Or yeah. So I give this book a a four. Wow. High praise. Just um, for the educational factor, and I just give props to the author for touching on a subject that's so dark, and also I feel like fairly controversial, and I just feel like she handled it really well. 
I guess for those reasons, I'll give it a three. But as far as the books I'm interested in goes, this is not high on my list. Oh, same. I don't think I'll read a book like this for a while. Yeah. Next week we are going to discuss Akatar. So <sighs> we are we are going back to our fantasy spring. We are going a little bit more positive in the sense. It will be a very different vibe from this episode. <laughs> yeah, and the last one. Last time we did Crescent City, we broke up Sarah J. Mess, but no, we're, I'm excited to go back to lighter subjects. And I'm excited for you to read Akatar because I read it and I'm just excited to get your emotions on it. So next week we're reading Akatar. The week after that, we're reading Paris Apartment, and then we're reading Throne of Glass, and then after that, we're reading Six of Crows. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with our funny selves next week. Uh, This is Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) This is Kayla. And Marissa. Have a good day.